may not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education. Beebidi-boo, doot-doodle-doo, dee-ba-da-pow. Welcome to A Real Education Noir. I am Melissa, and I am joined today by Allie. Hi. And Tanya. Hi. And we have a special guest star this week. We have Pat. Yay! Woohoo! Woo! Me, me, me! <laughs> so we have our friend Pat Wick is joining us for uh, this viewing of Stray Dog. Woohoo! Stray Dog, Stray Dog. Yeah, Akira Kurosawa's Stray Dog. So, Allie, I believe you are the one who has not seen I this have movie. Not. I have not. Surprise, Allie hasn't seen a movie that we're watching this week. What? <laughs> what? Uh, I, I know everybody is just shocked and beside themselves. Um, no, I so I, I have no, I did, I as I usually do, I purposefully did not research, did not look up any information because I want to go into it completely cold because I love the surprise. Yay! Yay! So what do you know about Stray Dog? Mm, I know there's a gun. <laughs> <laughs> You know that because we, as, as we were discussing this, and 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 the rest of my my co podcasters here were figuring out if they've seen the movie. The oh, it's the one with the gun. <laughs> so this is all I know about it. It's the one with the gun. So I'm it's, I'm excited. I because I have a feeling that there's going to be some significant plot aspect to this gun, to where it would be. This is the noir with the gun. <laughs> As opposed to all the others that we have watched that have definitely had guns. This so. one is especially about a gun. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I'm, I'm here for this. Let's do this. <laughs> so we are we are watching one of Kurosawa's, um, his noirs. Uh, he did several uh, film noirs in Japan, post-war era. Yes. Um, before he started doing all of the samurai films, which we also love and adore. Uh, Stray Dog, we will have uh, Mifune content. Mifune! Mifune! We will have Toshiro Mifune content, as well as Takashi Shimura, who I I adore. So this is like the great triumvirate of Kurosawa, Mifune, and Shimura, plus film noir. So I'm very excited. I'm super stoked for this now. Oh my god. (laughs) I I love this movie so much. I really adore uh, Kurosawa's films of this period, and this is one of my favorites. Uh, is there anything that either of you two would like to add? Um, no, because I think talking too much will kind of spoil yeah, yeah, yeah. some of the movie. True. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's one of those that you see this movie, and especially if you know it was made before some of the really big ones, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, this is why he got hired to do the better and bigger movies. Yes. Not better, but you know, the more production values. And yes. Such. Bigger and bigger and bigger. Bigger and bigger and samurai-esque. <laughs> Also really fun uh, to know before going in. His assistant director on this movie is Ashiro Honda, who later made Godzilla. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Uh, So yeah, the scenes where they go into um, the more slum-like territories, which were often actually controlled by Yakuza, uh, Ashiro Honda was dealing with all of that. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I think I'll leave it at that. And then we'll, uh, let's go eat pizza and enjoy a movie. Movie! 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 Pizza!
So ladies, what did you think? That was so cool. <laughs> this is just for Pat's reference, this is generally my reaction after we watch a movie. Because we don't watch duds on this podcast. So I never come out of that going, what the hell? <laughs> a week of Well, I that. do sometimes, but but usually what the hell? That was awesome. So that's pretty much pretty much how I roll is, is <laughs> we saw a movie. Everybody knew it was going to be good. I didn't know what I was going to see. And it was good. <laughs> I had forgotten a lot of the middle parts. Yeah, same here. Same I remember here. the beginning really vividly. But when he's chasing the gun around mm-hmm. through the, the little minutia, especially with the, the dance girl, I don't remember much of that. See, mm-hmm. and I'm as soon as I got to the dance hall place, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the part with all the girls. And, and that one girl, she cries and oh. So I stopped paying attention to the back cart because I remembered that part. <laughs> what I forgot was how good the end was. Yes. Yeah. That that standoff at the end where they're just looking at each other. And I'm like, okay, put some swords in their hands. <laughs> and you've got the samurai standoff, but it was a gun. Yes. Mm-hmm. And all. Oh. The chase was awesome because it was, that was the most realistic chase I've ever seen in a film ever. Just, oh my god, we are both so fucking tired. Oh god damn it, stop running. Yep. And these weeds are stop really chasing tall. me, you dick. <laughs> these weeds are so tall and they're so tiring to get through. What the hell? And my <laughs> shoes are fucking wet. Yes, and they just, and they both just collapse. <sighs> Even after he gets the handcuffs on him, he just collapses next to him. Shit, do I still have the gun? Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> just, that was so satisfying to yes. me. It's just how realistic that was. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, this movie is made out of all the little things, I think. Yeah. yeah the the small details, because Kurosawa just revels in them, especially in this movie. It's the, you know, the the long wait for uh, Mufune to find the gun runner, or the gun runner to come to him, and just, you know, all the, the waiting and kind of almost documentary footage of urban Japan and, yeah. and the slums of Japan, or it's the woman going, oh, I forgot how pretty the stars are. And she leans back and watches them for a while. Or the, uh, you know, the dress, the the girl putting on the dress and twirling. You know, it just, it's, and, you know, the dress getting thrown out into the rain next to the goldfish and the rain comes in. It's just those little touches that really make this whole thing work. Well, and I think, too, it, it was, it's interesting to me to watch him spend as much time as he does on the culture and the setting. Mm-hmm. Because... I'm used to seeing a noir and going like, oh yeah, gangster guys and this and this and this and seeing how that can transform when it's a different country with a different setup. And even though it it has a lot of American feeling because it's the occupation after World War II, like -hmm. there's still enough difference that like I really felt like I started to sort of understand a bit more about where these people might be coming from as opposed to like, oh, this is just the standard trope of this guy's going to screw over this guy and this guy's going to screw over that guy or whatever mm-hmm. that other noir have. Akira Kurosawa is kind of this nexus between Eastern and Western culture. I mean, he's, you know, of course, a Japanese filmmaker, you know, born in Japan, raised in Japan, um, but he wasn't into the whole feudalism thing and really wasn't 
down with the war. And so when the Americans came in, he was happy to work with them. And he was very, he was always very interested in um, American cinema. He grew up watching American cinema. He was, his brother was a translator for silent films. So like he'd read the American subtitles in the theater and then translate them into Japanese for the audience. So, you know, because his brother worked that job, Kurosawa always saw all these American movies. And so when he started making films, he made very Western films because he was deeply influenced by John Ford. And, you know, by this time, all the noir films coming over from the U.S. And uh, so he he kind of he knew he wanted to make a noir film, but, you know, it's just steeped in the culture of the time and that it's a very unique culture. I mean, this is a culture that pretty much existed for like, what is it? Seven years. That was how long the occupation was or so. Something like that. Yeah. I think it was to 1952 and this was 1949. So it, it, a really unique time and place, but you know, even beyond that, I mean the, the central conceit of the film being something that's very unique to Japan. It's the guns are banned you're a cop who has lost his gun. Every bullet must be accounted for. <laughs> and he, yes. You know, with all this and, the, and, and with the way uh, Japanese culture, culture treats responsibility, there's all this guilt wrapped into losing his gun, even though it really wasn't his fault. A pickpocket took it. But a pickpocket took it, but it's seven. It's like, oh, my God. And I got to keep track of seven of them. Yeah. And even when the older cops like, you know, hey, it might not have been a cult. If it wasn't a cult, it, it would have been, been a browning. Brown. Yeah. Like, this guy still would have done that exact same behavior. So he's like, oh, okay. And then he talks himself back into feeling guilt because he was there to turn the gun back in, but he couldn't turn the gun in because the the cop arrested the girl. So then he has the gun and he's like, I don't have a rice card and I'm going to go out and shoot somebody. Mm -hmm. Or rob somebody. I don't think the shooting was intentional. Yeah, it's implied that the, the first shooting was accidental. More so than anything else, but was the gateway to the further crimes. Right. And then the second one, when he's robbing the rich house, it was, at least I got it, that it was implied that he didn't mean to kill the woman, but things weren't going the way he wanted them to. Mm -hmm. So he was not quite cold-blooded killer, which means, but the trajectory is still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think Kurosawa was really working hard to work in the angle of well, I mean, obviously with the, the stolen uh, duffel bags, the the story they keep hearing over and over, you know, Mifune, you know, when he came back as a vet, his duffel bag was stolen and that also happened to this criminal and that they t- took diverging paths because of it. I think the film serves as a nice illustration that, you know, civilization is kind of on a hair trigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the... It's a it's a desperate time, and there are a lot of desperate people. And um, clearly, the criminal that they're after is asking is acting out of desperation. Yeah, I like that he has that. Uh, Mufuna has that moment of parallel where he's he's like, that could easily have been me, mm-hmm. you know. And and but instead of choosing to blame the world, he basically makes the decision to try and save it. But he also, there's the comment of that whole, he has this money. He could live off of this for a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then he chooses not to. Where, and then you're like, okay, it's no longer okay. It's like, okay, you you felt you needed to rob because you couldn't get your rice mm-hmm. card back. So you couldn't eat. Like, okay, that's that. It's like, okay. 
But then you decide to start robbing and just spending the money willy-nilly. It's like, okay, you're no longer feeling sorry for you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about survival anymore. Now it's about just living large. Yes. <laughs> I love how the bullets are also a, a ticking clock. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I love that. That's what drives this movie forward and gives it an expiration date is that you've got seven bullets and you're literally counting every single one in contrast to what we usually see in American Which film, is in infinite bullets. <laughs> infinite bullets. So yeah, I mean, bullets. my dad and I sit down and watch Westerns and yeah, we count, count the shots. Yep. And, wow, that one had 17 rounds in it. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what they don't show is when they're shooting and then they shoot off the screen to refill like in video. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and I think too, like I know we made a couple comments while we were watching about how it was a different culture about guns in general. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just because of that, like you said, the ban that... People just can't go out and buy a gun in Japan like they can in America. And I think it does make a difference in the impact it would have that there's this lone gun out there. Mm -hmm. And that the whole thing of the person who's the pickpocket, it's like, but she usually just does, you know, money. Why would she want a gun? The concept that it wouldn't be easy to sell a gun. Right. Mm -hmm. Is just kind of weird. Because in America, you always hear about, oh, they went to steal guns so they could sell them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think it, too, it emphasizes the guilt he has because it was his gun. He feels like every single bullet was as if he had chosen to use that gun in that way. Yeah, there's even that comment in the movie, was it it my bullet? And no, it was Yusa's bullet. Yes. The, The... the implication from his captain or whoever he is, yeah, uh, yeah um, saying it's not your gun anymore. It is this this man has taken your gun. It is now his gun, and it is his decision to right. do these things. Yes. It's not on you. And I don't. I, I it's certainly not a concept that I've come across a lot in American films. Mm-hmm. So it would being an anti gun kind of person myself, like that was a really cool thing for me to see. Yeah, that's not a kind of mentality you would see much in. If this film were set in America and Mm -hmm. somebody's gun is stolen and used to commit a crime, there's not the ownership for the person who had the gun stolen. It's, well, that person made a decision. It's it's not on me. They could have gotten it from anywhere. In Japan, there's the the gun control is so much more strict that it's, they can't have just gotten it from anywhere. They got my gun. It's my my responsibility. this this gun is is um it's Ebola on the streets, you know. Yeah. This is this is incredibly hazardous material and if I let it out it goes rogue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. thus, this is the one about the gun. Yes. This is the one yes. about the gun. As soon as the opening line, I'm like, okay, I get this now. Yes. I get it. Why it's it's oh it's the gun. Yeah. It, it is it is about the gun. And <laughs> the straight dog is the gun. Yes. <laughs> except that it's not, well, not except that, it's not a MacGuffin. Unlike it's, other no, things. That's true. It's, it is not a MacGuffin. Not. Yes, it is no. very important that it is a gun and that it's, uh, it, it is what it is. It's it's not a, uh, you know, dear listeners, if you're not familiar with the term MacGuffin, it is a Alfred Hitchcock term. It is the thing that drives the plot forward, but it doesn't matter what it is. Whereas this is very important. It is a gun in Japan. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's not a missing statue or <laughs> yeah. a whatever. Or a Jane thing. Foster in the second Thor film. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I have a lot of feelings about the treatment of that character in that film. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> wow. Uh, there really isn't many female characters at all in here. No. I'm probably the most important character is actually the mother of the dancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I do like the pickpocket. I love yes. pickpocket She character. is an amazing character. I want to see more movies about her. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she's just like, she's sassing back to the cops. And she's like, she knows her rights. And the the, the, the way that he filmed the um, cop chasing or tailing her through the streets to try and find clues was just really amusing to me. I thought it was good. It was a very good sequence. Yeah. But he's... Th- what astonished me on that one is they're like oh she was an old woman i'm like there was no old woman there because she's not old no she's like uh 40 yeah they said well they said middle-aged and and yeah she's like maybe 40 yeah she's not this like ancient yeah over gray-haired little old lady oh here let me hold that for you yeah so like oh she's an old woman i'm like where up oh. Oh, you consider that old. Okay. <laughs> Not expecting that. Yeah, yeah, you don't see a whole lot of female characters in Kurosawa's films. Every once in a while you do see a really interesting female character. Uh, like the, 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 one that the Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth or uh, Lady Kaeda in Ron. Um, there is actually one of his wartime films uh, he did called The Most Beautiful, which is about women working in a lens factory. Uh, the you know the women who made the lenses for the artillery, and it it is completely a movie about the interrelationship of all the women looking working and living together in the plant. So that's a very interesting film, and it's also the film where Kurosawa met his wife, but. Um, Beyond that, you don't see a whole lot of films based on female characters or with uh, really strong female characters. But uh, you do see here um, Kurosawa starting to assemble his his dream team cast <laughs> because uh, he did like working with the same actors over and over. Um, this was the third film he did with Chiro Mufune out of uh, something like 15. I can't remember when he started working with Shimura because Shimura was actually in uh, The Most Beautiful. But uh, let's see, this must have been like the fourth or fifth movie that he did with Shimura out of 16. Minoru Chiaki is also in here in a bit part, and he plays Haihachi in uh, The Seven Samurai. So there, there are three of The Seven, Seven Samurai in this movie. Um, also, Shiro Honda, as I mentioned before, was assistant director on this. He was assistant director for Kurosawa in several films. Um, that... You know, and part- played the legs of most of his walking around he, scenes. He did. He did. He doubled for <laughs> Mifune from walking around. And uh, yeah, so this was at Toho. So a lot of uh, stock Toho players. <laughs> <laughs> Toho being also the studio that did Godzilla. Yes. Because I must bring up Godzilla whenever I can. <laughs> Gojira! Uh, Gojira! Gojira! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Who else was involved in this? Um um, oh, this was the first film that Kurosawa collaborated with Ryuzo uh, Kikushima. Um, they did several films together. Uh, Kikushima uh, was the writer on this. The concept was from an unpublished novel that they just, you know, went ahead and used as as the film. Uh, they worked together pretty solidly in, I think, almost every single film 
until about 1969, and then they had a falling out. If you're a Kurosawa fan, there's a lot of people that you see over and over and over in this film. Uh, what oh, else can I say about this? I was going to say, yeah, I, I fell in love with the soundtrack, like the, the oh, music. Yeah. There's an excellent use of jazz mm-hmm. throughout the entire film, and, and it's kind of counterpointed sometimes with classical, depending on who they're dealing with at the time, mm-hmm. which I found really, really neat. And, and But it's not, like, there's no, like, you can go out and buy it. <laughs> and I was very disappointed when I found that. <laughs> someday. Someday. <laughs> Curacao. I'll just make my own. You know, just leave the, I'll just take an audio track of the whole movie and <laughs> just listen to it. <laughs> just slice it all together. <laughs> Including the piano at the very end. That was yes. so like, good. What's going on? Oh, and oh, then there's the, just an open window with someone practicing and then making the soundtrack. singing. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I want to know what they were singing. <laughs> and the kids at the end singing Sakura Sakura was just, it was good. Right before the breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that breakdown too. I think it. I loved all the men sobbing their eyes out in this yes. movie. Yes. You don't see men do that. <laughs> the broken sobbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very often in films, it's just too manly for that. They can they can shed a couple of tears when something really terrible happens. But they are men, and no, these guys are like they're just destroyed and they lose it. And I'm just like, I appreciate that so much. Mm-hmm. It was it's hard to watch because oh, you yeah. just feel terrible, but mm-hmm. the, at the same time, it was so fucking satisfying. How so, great! How great is Mafune when he just oh God. yes, oh, oh my God, yes, I heart. <laughs> Oh, so good. <sighs> Again, another good use of sound because they, yes. they pulled him off into this hallway and it was echoed oh, with the reverb God. and it was just like, ah! Yeah. Oh, so His mean. anguish amplified. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take you away and make it more private. Wait. <laughs> Oops. Echo and then, chamber. And then the three other dudes who are like his boss is all sitting there going, oh. We can still hear you. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to it pretend. did not get better. We're going to pretend that nothing is happening. Right. <laughs> I like I like the I was I believe this is a very cultural thing, but like the turning turning your back on somebody else's yes. shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know when when um uh, Harumi has her breakdown yes. after the dress, he turns his back on her to let her have that moment. Yep. Privately, you know, as privately as mm-hmm. she she can be afforded yeah. and waits until she composes herself. And that's just a very, I liked that mm-hmm. as a visual thing to see. Yes. And, and, then, th- and then the men do it for each other where they just, the folk, the focus is we are, we are ignoring this situation that you're having and we're going to let you work through it. And then we can talk, you know, <laughs> you are losing face right now. I will. Yes. We'll let you compose yourself. <laughs> Regain your honor. Come yes. back to us. Yes. <laughs> well, it's also a thing of reminder that in that culture, it's also a place where you don't get a whole lot of privacy. Because yeah. when the two cops, are, when she and her mother are fighting before the breakdown, mm-hmm. you know, the two cops go outside and you can hear everything like there's nothing there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So to get privacy, you have to pretend there's privacy. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole, I'm going to turn my back and just ignore you. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a cultural thing of, we're going to pretend yes. that I can't hear you and you are by yourself. And we're all going to, we're both agreeing to this and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. The whole floor is standing out there listening to the drama when the cops come out. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, their walls literally are made of paper. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. 
<laughs> and that was a very traditional style home yeah. that they seem to have with the tatami floors and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In an apartment building. <clears throat> In an apartment building, which yes. was like kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, oh, that's not a ground level. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do have those things in Japan. Yes. Yes, they do. But every other home that we had seen so far had been a single, you know, right. you know, house type situation, even if it's a shack, mm-hmm. you know, and then, oh, we're in an apartment building. Okay. But it's still not a North American no. apartment building. No, not in the least. <laughs> One thing I was, when I was reading on the internets earlier, um, during the trivia, they said that this is one of the first buddy cop movie and procedural movies. Really? Mm-hmm. It huh. actually greatly showed what a buddy cop movie could be and what it was. Mm-hmm. And you, I was thinking about it, like, yeah, I can't think of one in the same way. Yeah. Although it did, it, I don't think it got this, I don't think Stray Dog got released in America until 63. almost the 60s. Yeah. I think it said 63. Yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. Because. I mean, Kurosawa didn't really come to the attention of the Western world until, you know, Rashomon came out and then uh, Seven Samurai. So that kind of, at least in America, got an appetite for his films going. But, you know, to go backwards and pick up some of his older movies, it took a while to get him over here. And still. And still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how long did it take the last four? I mean, we didn't get those on DVD until... Does that last in- year? Oh, does that include the one with Richard Gere? Oh, that's been here for a while. Okay, I was going to say that one. I thought would have gotten a U.S. release. <laughs> oh yeah, that uh, <laughs> <laughs> whether it should have or not. Well, you know, um, <laughs> Rhapsody in August has its good points, but Richard Gere isn't one of them. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're not. Oh, you're so not half Japanese. No, you are not. No, nope. <laughs> a little bit. I, I know they put lines in your eyes, but no. Oh, <laughs> goodness. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. Was it, what, 80s? Uh, uh, that was like 91. Really? Yeah, it was, it was like way late. Yeah. I think Rhapsody in August was his last film, wasn't it? Uh, or, or was it uh, Metadio? I can't remember. It was one of those two. Still, late enough to know better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm fine with Kurosawa working with with American actors. I mean, there's no problem with that. And, you know, I'm I'm all for casting Martin Scorsese as Van Gogh. I'm good with that. Totally good with that. That but, was an amazing casting choice. That really was. That was so fun. <laughs> Dear listeners, uh, we're we're going way down the uh, Kurosawa rabbit, rabbit hole? hole here, but yeah, that that particular one was dreams. I care Kurosawa's dreams, which has the scene that is for me one of the hardest to watch of just the not even desperation, just the slog. The four climbers on the mountain during the snowstorm. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It is so hard because they're just trying to survive, and it's just this slog. Mm-hmm. Rhapsody in August came out in 1991. Yay! Uh, also, Mography, uh, director, Matadayo. Matadayo is the last one? Correct. All right. 1993. Why would we doubt you, Melissa? I was doubting myself. <laughs> I wasn't sure which one was the last. Okay. But anyway, as somebody who has seen all of his films from this era, I'm I'm always fascinated by 
every time he goes out onto the streets of Tokyo or, you know, whatever urban environment he's in, because um, pretty much all of his noirs, he's fascinated by showing the slums or by showing the lower class or by, um, I mean, there's an entire movie called One Wonderful Sunday. You remember this one time? Yes, I do. With the with the magical orchestra <laughs> that the isn't mag- there. With the magical orchestra, which is a bizarre ending, but um, most of the film is just—it's perfect. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It is a young couple um, who are—they're—they're um, they're both working, but they're too poor to get married. Um, they live in different towns. Um, they don't have a whole lot of money, so they meet up one Sunday a month and they just spend it together. And so this is just a film about their one day, this particular month, and they start out in the, you know, she arrives on a train, they start out in the morning, and it's like, we have $5. What can we do all day with $5? And it's just the story of them going around town and seeing what they could do for free. You know, this costs a dime, and wow, that was really great. Or this cost a little bit more money and, oh, that didn't really, that really wasn't what I expected. And it's a very, very sweet film. But it's um, also, (laughs) it takes a lot of time looking at the culture of the time, post-war Japan. It's almost like if you're doing, if, if the movie was a character study and the character was the culture of occupied Japan at the time. Precisely. It's an awesome movie. And there and there's definitely parts of that in this movie, mm-hmm. I think, too. But it's so if you see them and you could probably compare them and be like, Oh yeah, you can mm-hmm. see how that would translate between it. And you also see it in High and Low, which may be my favorite of Kurosawa's Noirs, but it's a uh, another police procedural where the uh, you know, once again we've got Mufune. Mufune is a rich business owner who's son- Wait, are we gonna watch it? We will eventually watch it. But okay. I'll, I'll give the, the oh, sure, quick sure. quick little summary. Uh, Kurosawa uh, is a rich business owner. His son, he gets a call that his son has been kidnapped. Uh, he calls the police over and, and suddenly his son comes home. And it turns out that the kidnapper kidnapped the chauffeur's son. And then it becomes this, well, does he pay anyway? And, and so on and so forth. Very interesting movie, but it... That one um, really, really is a masterwork of, you know, going into urban Japan and viewing, you know, how the poor people live. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Tanya is nodding enthusiastically. Maybe <laughs> she knows that. She knows that one well. <laughs> There's bouncing. Awesome. There's bouncing happening on this. On <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Couch. No, it's cute. It's adorable. It Your enthusiasm is Awesome. <laughs> but not translatable to radio. <laughs> right. <laughs> Verbalize. Use your words, Tanya. <laughs> Use the squee. Utilize the squee. <laughs> but anyway, really back to this film. There there's so many little scenes that I love. I love I love the baseball scene because it's like, oh yeah, yeah, baseball in Japan. Super big. <laughs> Super big. Super big. Even back then. It reminded me so the crowd scene reminded me of the crowd scene when, when James Bond goes to see the sumo wrestler. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Yes. The um and I, I love that they get the guy out of the crowd by eh, let's make an announcement like you lost a kid. Yeah. <laughs> let's give it a shot. And it didn't quite work. Do it again. Yeah. 
Do it again. Only, let's do it let's use his real name this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First was a nickname. Now let's do the real name. And you know what? It worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. But, but it worked. <laughs> I like, um, I also love the, the moment when he I- identifies Yusa, you know. With oh, the, that was so good. Well, because he had three bullets left and you're sitting there and you know in his head he's going, oh my God, there's more than three people in this room. If he, if I, if, if he pulls that gun out, there could be three dead people in this room. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. He has that regard for the other people around him. Yes. Mm-hmm. And just his process of elimination. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, but isn't he left-handed? Why hasn't that been brought up? And then he strikes the match with his <gasps> lefty. <gasps> I'm like, that is the, the that is it. <laughs> That's the moment. And it just, I loved that as he's sitting there pulling out all the, the facts. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would have wished when I saw that was for a lot less mud on him. Yeah. Yeah, he was super muddy. See, I... But, but of course, we couldn't have seen as much mud that he had on him initially because he was seated right. when he came but in. But still... That no, was, no, 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 that made sense pants. to me. Like, I had the same thought, but after I thought about it, I'm like, okay, well, if you're running and it's raining, you're, you're gonna have mud. a splatter that'll even go... still on the front, I would have much preferred yeah, okay. a small amount because otherwise you're walking in and you get somebody in white linen pantsuit that's like almost solid mud up to his knees. Yeah. This isn't a, oh, who, which one is it? It's a look around, oh my God, what happened to you? Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 unexpected giggling. <laughs> Unrelated um, unexpected giggling. But, but also with that, with that scene, I love the, you know, they, they recognize each other and it's like, I don't have the gun. Yes. <laughs> he, the, the realizing, he, I love how that whole scene, you know, starting from the mud onward, that whole thing yep. plays out. I love that Mufune is completely, it has no weapon whatsoever. He still goes after the guy and, and like his only strategy is I will absorb bullets. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's because all then at least they're gone. Yes. yes. It's very much his idea that this is my penance. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, these bullets are, are mine. And one and way or another, they are mine. <laughs> and let's be honest, if any human could absorb bullets, it would be right. so so totally. Really, you know. <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> well, also, and it's a bit of a character study on yes, we know that person was desperate enough to get a gun to rob somebody who then accidentally shot them. Robbed somebody else and didn't mean to kill them, we're pretty sure. And all of a sudden, it's point blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I, while the guy's standing there, shoot to kill? And considering they're, what, 10, 15 feet yep. apart? Mm-hmm. The fact that he shoots him, what, in the arm? Yeah, and in the misses arm. him completely? This isn't an accident. Right. Yeah. The guy is not a stone-cold killer. No. That's not to say he's not going to go away for the rest of his life for the crimes he's committed. Right. Right. <laughs> he did end up killing somebody and all, but he's just like, uh, uh, I'm going to miss. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, he, 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 like, but he started tumbling for the misses. Mm-hmm. He well, was he was falling backwards. I also for the I two also missiles. think there's this weird thing in our head just because we see gunfights it's so much in our culture. Like, if you don't have training. 
aiming at a guy 15 feet away is still you could still yeah. really miss him yeah well, without even trying yeah well, and it's a for, it's a pistol which isn't yeah which isn't very accurate anyway and he's not even holding out to his eye to aim this is from the hip shooting mm-hmm. it's hard to aim yeah it really is and the adrenaline yep. yeah yeah and he's he's, he's shaking and well yeah. and mentally too like i've heard stories about like when they train people in the army like even though they're standing like this other guy is trying to kill you when when they're there like that's why they have colonels and stuff to keep yelling at him like go go kill this guy because once you're there even if it's like you know however many feet away from 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 them to shoot like it, they just mentally cannot get their head around harming another person mm-hmm. and still shoots all three times yeah he does and I realize he's stumbling because he's trying to walk backwards. Right. Yes. Which isn't the greatest, but the fact that he shoots all three times means there's no more bullets. So then the chase itself is just running through the woods until one of them gives up. I like that he throws the gun at him. And that's his, yes. That's his yes. last act of desperation is, ah! <laughs> just, maybe this will hit you in the head and knock you out. Well, and he also knows if Mifune has gone through all this work to get the gun, he's going to stop and pick it up, which yeah. will buy him time. True. Yeah. True. Which actually then makes you more surprised that he didn't just take the gun and throw it at a 90 degree angle into the woods. Which yeah. one do you want? Do you want me? Or do you want the gun that somebody else could find? Right. I, I get the sense just that Yusa doesn't understand the... I mean, he knows the power of yes. having a gun, but doesn't realize the significance of that gun. So yeah. he doesn't necessarily think that the unloaded pistol is going to be enough to throw the guy off his trail. So it's really just that last act of, this is the last thing I can do to possibly hurt you and throw you off my trails to throw this at you. I'm also fascinated by, you know, the the closing scene where he has with Shimura and it's like, you got a dozen guns off the street. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And coming from this culture, it's like, wow. That's, yeah. That doesn't sound impressive in this day and age. Yeah. But that's a big deal back then. It was huge for them. That's, that is 12 less guns out there to kill people. Mm-hmm. Like, good job. Your, your bad fortune actually turned out to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. So get over your damn self. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your citation, kid. Get over it. <laughs> You're a hero. <laughs> Go so for it. There's also that subcurrent of what it is like to be a new officer to what it's like to be a yes. yes. been on the force for 25 years and you need to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I'm willing to resign. Okay, great. That's fantastic. You're not going to resign. I'm not going to take it at this moment, but you still need to make up your mind as whether or not you are going to be okay. If this is something you want to do with the rest of your life or not. Mm-hmm. Introspection. Yes. And how great is Takashi Shimura as the older cop? Yes. Oh, so good. I love he come into the interrogation room and he's interrogating the, the woman. And they're and laughing. And they're laughing. And they're laughing. And he's got a popsicle. And... and he just easily asks her questions. She just gives answers. And, you know, it's like, you, the force is strong with this one. Yes. <laughs> the smoking. Yeah, the smoking. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, the smoking. The smoking. Yes. 
<laughs> he gives her a cigarette and she's we only see her back as she leans in and he lights it for her. And as I, as we're watching this, my comments, you can just see the oh thank you God for that cigarette in her posture without even being able to see her face. And then she leans back to smoke it, and we see the oh thank you God in her face. <laughs> and in profile, and she's just and sucking she is, that yes. thing down like she It is a oh, chimney. It is air to her. Yes. <laughs> like it's like oh. she's been drowning and she's finally got her oxygen tank. <laughs> Ironic that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the little touches. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, every time Shimura's on screen, you know, he's just got this ease to him. Yeah. He's so he's so fun to watch. Nothing about him is hurried yeah. in his procedure. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great because he's got this rookie that's just like, ugh. So high strung and chomping at the bit, and he's, he's he even says, I feel like I'm going to pass out from the anxiety. <laughs> and then he got the older cop, and she's like, dude, calm down. <laughs> it's Luke and Obi-Wan. Yes. <laughs> it really is. And it's also the I think the reason he invited the young kid to his home was to see, no, you really, you can go home. You can have family, you can have little kids. You don't have to be on duty at all times. Yeah, you don't have to carry it with you. You can leave it at the precinct. There's more than one badge. You're not the only cop in Japan. You can walk home and leave it there. Yes. It'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love the little moments like that. You know, like I uh, mentioned earlier, the moment where the woman goes, oh, look, the stars are out. And and you you get the sense that Mifune's character is just going... I forgot all about everything that wasn't gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think too at the end uh, when when they're both laying in the grass and mm-hmm. they look up and there's just shots of flowers and like bugs mm-hmm. and then the kids the start children singing. singing and it's just like this is life. Yeah. Like this is the the Zen like just appreciate what this is and stop for a minute. Mm-hmm. Contrasted yeah. with the gun of death. Yeah. So many of uh, Kurosawa's showdowns happen in nature. And it, it's interesting that, you know, like you were saying, you know, if they had samurai swords in hand, this yeah. would not be out of place in one of the Kurosawa samurai flicks. Because they all happen outside in some sort of dramatic weather. And this is that tranquil springtime. I mean, we, we've gone through the whole movie watching everybody sweat <laughs> because sweat profusely because it's during a heat wave and you get the sense that now it's kind of relented and this is kind of the reward for getting through all of the heat and mm-hmm. it's not pretty sweating it, no no it's torrents of sweat it's sweating but then the storm comes and the storm passes mm-hmm. and then things are going to be better mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Symbolism. Symbol. Metaphor. <laughs> that too. So I feel like uh, we've got pretty much our thoughts out there. Do we have anything else? or? Any well, the phone thoughts? scene is great too. Oh, Just the for phone scene. Oh my yes. God. I was, did you, oh. I don't know if you could see, I was sitting there, I have this bottle of beer in my hand as I'm watching, and my fingers are just tapping. And I'm just like, <laughs> don't tap your ring on the glass, don't tap your ring on the glass. I'm just like... So anxious, just like, oh my god, would something happen already? But like the thing I want to happen, not the thing that I am pretty sure is gonna happen. <laughs> the music coming out of oh the my phone. God. Yep. <laughs> You've watched some Hitchcock, haven't you? <laughs> oh my god. They were gosh. kinda watching each other, I think. Yeah. 
<laughs> but, so good. Oh, so good. There's so many great, great things going on in this movie. The wind chime. The wind chime. In, in oh, the, yeah. Yeah. In the window when they're talking to the dancer. Yeah. Yep. That one's good. Yeah. Beautiful. Go see it. Yes, definitely see it. <laughs> Why have you not watched this Why movie have you yet? Not what is this wrong with you, listener? <laughs> no, we want to encourage I them. choose to believe it's just one listener, not all of them. Okay. Just, just the one. There, one of you people is not has not seen this movie. What is wrong with you? You Go really should. We, we seek to improve your life. Yes. You yes. know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if that's all we have, uh, thank you very much, dear listeners, for joining us. Uh, next time, we will be back to discuss Johnny Guitar. Ooh. It's, it's going to be noir, it's going to be western, it's going to be noir western, it's going to be awesome. So uh, I have been Melissa, and I've been joined with Allie and Tanya and Pat. Thank you for joining us, Pat. Yay! Yay! We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on a noir education. Thank you for joining us for A Real Education Noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. You can find our podcasts and social media feeds on our website at realedunoir.com. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at realedu.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Eat up, Oh, you got any stuff over there?